Welcome to the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast, where you'll get actionable tips and advice on major gifts, direct response fundraising, legacy giving, and much more from leading experts in the nonprofit sector. Now, here are your hosts of the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast, Andrew Olson and Roy Jones. Before we jump into today's content, I have something I want to share with you. In a recent 2019 CEO benchmark study conducted by the Predictive Index, CEOs disclosed that four out of five top challenges they face relate to talent optimization. To win consistently, you need confidence. Confidence that you've got the right people in the right roles, that they're deployed around the right projects, and that those projects are mapped to the right organizational objectives. And you need more than gut level confidence. You need data to back that up. But the truth is, the rapid pace of change is exhausting. People and systems are being pushed to the edge, and diversity, equality, and inclusion issues remain unresolved. In this age of empathy, we can do better. That's why I'm super excited about a new talent optimization platform that Ben Straup, founder of Velocity Strategy Solutions and a certified partner with the Predictive Index, is ready to show you. This technology-enabled, data-driven platform will give you an unfair advantage so you can win and succeed more. Visit peoplegetresults.com and use the code RAINMAKER to schedule your free personalized assessment and demo today. That's peoplegetresults.com, and don't forget to use the code RAINMAKER today. Hey, this is Andrew Olson with the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast. Really excited for our conversation today, and, and I'm here with my uh, good friend and co-host, Roy Jones. Hey, Roy, how are you? Very good. It's going to be fun today, Andrew. I love talking about leadership. Of course, it's easier to talk about it than, than live it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we've got a great guest today that is actually living these principles, so looking forward to this conversation. Amen. It is way easier to talk about it than live it. Um, so we are we're grateful to be here today with Braden Douglas. Braden is the founder of Crew Marketing Partners, which is a Canadian marketing and creative agency. He's also the author of Becoming a Leader of Impact, which is exactly what we want to talk about today. Braden, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate being here. Yeah, excited to talk with you. Before we get into the questions, um, if you would, take it just a few minutes to tell, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, about your agency, and a little bit about the book. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I, was a, I started off as a marketer, uh, working with Procter & Gamble, marketing fabric softener, and then Frito-Lay marketing potato chips. Uh, then I had a life turnaround and said, you know what, what am I doing just being a chip guy? And I left that um, in Toronto Flew over to Vancouver to join a nonprofit organization where I became the director of marketing and communications and then worked with the advancement team on capital campaigns, donor development strategies. Uh, and then I realized that every strategy of, this, of a nonprofit, and we had about 15 different nonprofits under this umbrella, was to get business owners and leaders to be engaged in what they're doing because they have the influence, the affluence mm -hmm. to really make things happen. And I thought, you know what? I love marketing and I want to be able to help these leaders, help the companies to become more profitable. Uh, but more important than that, just really build into them, um, you know, as leaders. And so I left in 2007 to start my own agency, uh, which is a hybrid of a marketing and creative agency in one specifically designed for uh, emerging probably between, you know, 5 million in revenue to about 200 million who uh, don't have an in-house marketing department. And we specialize in the food and beverage and consumer packaged goods industry. Uh, and, and I also then volunteer as Leader Impact, which is an organization that builds into leaders, uh, helps them uh, professionally, personally, and spiritually to really make an impact in the world. And that's where I wrote this book from. So 
um, what the cool thing is that I've had a chance to work on both sides. I've been in involved heavily in nonprofit organizations and seen, you know, donor development and fundraising uh, firsthand. And now I'm on the other side of it where uh, we have a successful business working with a lot of entrepreneurs and businesses and how they're giving. And uh, so I've seen the both flip side of being, you know, drumming up support and creating fundraising and capital campaigns and major gifts to now getting asked that. And I've seen the ups and downs, but the impact that uh, business people and leaders can have when they partner really well with nonprofits is huge. And so that's why I'm excited about this book. That's awesome. All right. So let's, let's get into this now. I want to just start. So the, the book is called Becoming a Leader of Impact. And so just in that title, it lets me know that the idea of impact, I think, is really valuable and really important. But tell us why that's what you, what you focused on in this book. And define for us, if you will, what you mean when you say impact. What I wrote this book is that there was a lot of people that misused the term impact a lot. And I think we interchange it with helping. And so if you know the old saying, teach a man, you know, or give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, feed him for a lifetime. And helping is about giving the fish. Uh, and that's, and that's something that's charitable giving. It's like, you can give money. Hey, and that's great. We need that, but that's helping. Impact is, is lasting positive influence in the lives of others. And that's the core difference between this. And so anybody can easily just give money, maybe volunteer a little bit, but to really care about that organization, to care about the people that that organization is helping and really have a heart for them, uh, that's about impact. And this is where for me is that impact occurs when your professional, your personal and your spiritual life come together, uh, almost like a Venn diagram when you, uh, when you see those to really make that outcome uh, of impact. So it's not a goal. It's an outcome of who you are as a person. And that's the biggest difference that I think is going to help leave a legacy as you live through life. Brain, you know, one thing that jumps out at me as you define the word impact is you're really talking about solutions, not just treating symptoms, right? Totally. Yeah. And, and really what it comes down to is people and most nonprofits, almost everything has to do with relationships and what is your influence in those relationships is what I think is so critically important uh, for and, and I think a lot of people miss that. And I think a lot of nonprofits miss that in their communication. Uh, I think a lot of even leaders even miss that where, hey, you're not just this big ATM machine, you know, where I can you know, push a few buttons and spit out some cash to, you know, support an organization. But it's really about, do you really care about you know, what they're doing and the cause. And does the nonprofit really care about you as a leader? You're not just a strategy. You're not just a number that they're hoping to meet with you so they can, you know, hit their targets. This is about really saying, hey, what do you, what really do you want to do? What passions do you have? How are you doing personally? How are you doing professionally? How are you doing spiritually? And making sure that they're all, all interconnected because that's when you're going to get long lasting effects. So I want to hone in on this integrated life piece that, that you're explaining here, because, you know, I, I think it makes a ton of sense. It resonates with me personally, but I'm also used to the, you know, the business world where we hear things like, you know, leave your family and personal baggage at the door when you get to work or leave work at work or one that might be the worst, which is there's no room for your spiritual beliefs in this office. Tell us why those kind of statements don't make sense anymore. And, and, how what you're doing is, is addressing that. 
Well, you know, I think it's absolutely naive uh, to create a total separation. And I think that it, that's not life. That's not how we, that's not how we work. Even COVID right now, you know, a lot of us were all working from home or, you know, you've got kids running around. It's, you know, it's amazing that, you know, eight months ago, I right, would see like, you know, kids in the background, I'd be like, oh man, it's kind of a little bit annoying, but now it's like, oh, it's normal, whatever. It's par for the course. But the integration is that if you really want to make an impact in this world, you have to be a good professional. You have to be good at what you do. There, that gives you the credibility. It gives you the platform to be heard. And everybody, they're going to be different spectrums. Some people, they're going to have right now their professional life. They're killing it. They're doing really, really well. And sometimes you're not going to be doing as well. And so you need to, you know, you need to work on that area personally. If you're having problems at home, uh, marriage-wise, with kids, you know, extended family, whatever it is, you will absolutely carry that into your work environment. It's going to affect your emotional well-being. You're going to be thinking about it. You're going to be, uh, it's going to maybe affect the decisions that you're making and those things that you're going to have to take care of. And even personally, what we talk about is your own personal health, your energy, how well you're sleeping, um, sickness. Like, and for me, I want to see leaders in the game for as long as they can. I want to see them engaged, fired up, you know, working way past the quote unquote retirement age so that they can really make a long lasting impact for a long, long time. Uh, and then spiritually, th this is about your beliefs and it's not, it's not about, you know, one religion or not. You know, I happen to be a, uh, you know, a sold out Christian and that's just where I think it's the foundation. But, the, but for me, these are influences your motivations. Why do you really want to help that customer, that client? Um, what's the underlying, is it all about you and your own career and doing this, or is there a bigger sense for who you are? And those things, you don't want to leave them at the door. I want people to be able to bring those, um, beliefs, those moral compass, that's going to help guide decision-making. And I think it's going to make much more effective leader. Can you imagine if we didn't have that? What kind of, if we didn't have your spiritual life, like what, like everybody's just doing their own thing and thinking what their own relative truth is and, it's all, you know, for me, it's like, we have to give people freedom of expression, whatever their lifestyle may be in their religious choices, but I don't want them to hide it either. And we want to be able to have those three really optimized. And, uh, and I think that's where impact truly comes out of. Interesting. You know, it, it, it jumps out at me uh, when you uh, integrate these pieces of your life and demonstrating impact is it, it, it just communicates transparency, doesn't it? And that seems to me uh, to be one of the main things, if not the primary thing, that uh, donors are looking for when they when they speak with a charity or a nonprofit. You know, Roy, it's a good point. I think transparency is key, but the underlying thing with transparency is just to be normal. You know, be it's okay to be human. And I think sometimes you you know it's funny you you come to these meetings and uh, had a meeting actually a couple of weeks ago with a guy at a you know a, a nonprofit. And he wanted me to give and. And he comes in, and he's just kind of a little bit awkward and, you know, thinking that it's the presentation has to be perfectly polished. Everything's got to be right. It was kind of like, you know, almost getting right down to kind of the brass tacks and what they really need. And it was almost like this formula that he was kind of walking me through. I kind of felt like he, I was going to buy insurance at the end of it or something. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, you're pitching. It's not a good meeting, is it? It's, you know what? You don't have to, like for me, you don't have to pitch. You don't have to sell. What you have to do is just be real. Here's the need. 
here's why we think it's really important, but get to know that donor. You should have such a good relationship that it should feel like, Hey, I know what you care about. I know that you've got an awesome purpose in your life and I'm not the only charity that you are involved in uh, and that you care about. And here's the reality. Here's what we want to be able to show with you. And here's the plan. What are your thoughts? Do you like this plan? Do you not anything we can do better? And how do you feel about engaging? How's business doing or how are you doing financially that you might be able to give this year? And I think people just need to be a lot more transparent and just a lot more just authentic, just real, like posture as much. Um, and just trust that the relationship that you've developed with this donor uh, is strong enough to carry that through. Mm. That's good stuff. Hey, uh, I want to ask a question about something else that you wrote. So I read uh, in some of your material, this, this idea that struggle is part of the, um, part of the process of living an impactful life. Yeah, I, I read that and I said, oh, I don't want to read that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought to myself, maybe, maybe I'm an expert at this already because I feel like I struggle all the time, you know? But um, is, is struggle, like, is, is this idea of struggling, um, is it always necessary to lead a life of impact? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I love, Ro, I love your color commentary. That you're, you're, You add so much to it. I love it. Um, so I'll give you a quick background. So when I'm, I was I'm, I'm the John Madden of the Rainmaking Pad podcast. Right. I'm like, black, blue. Um, um, I just wish I had one of those mark boards that I could draw stuff on. So uh, that's anyway. right. <laughs> so when I when I was growing up in the '90s, my dad was a landscape architect, and he became well known for doing these butterfly gardens. Uh, and he would do these at schools. And, um, and so the educational department started to put a butterfly curriculum in their environmental programs. And so every time a new school was built that my dad would get hired to create these butterfly gardens and they would, you know, all the signage and, you know, all the different types of flowers and plants and stuff that would attract butterflies and all this kind of stuff. And so one day we we're coming back from uh, a soccer practice and he's like, Oh, Braden, you know, there's one of my schools that I did a butterfly garden for. Do you want to go in? And check it out. And I'm like, no, not really. And he turns left into the parking lot and we go see it. And we walk around the corner of the, um, of the school. And I see all these, you know, these cool flowers and shrubs and plants and stuff. And I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty neat. And I, I noticed that there was this cocoon in one of them. And so I went up to this cocoon and I could see the caterpillar trying to struggle out of it a bit. And so I start to like peel it open a little bit with my fingers. And my dad runs over. He's like, Braden, stop, stop, stop. You can't do this. And I was like, what are you talking about? I can't do this. Like, you know, he wants to get out. And he's like, no, no. If you help that caterpillar get out of the cocoon, it won't develop the muscles it needs to be able to fly. Mm -hmm. And it will just end up falling down and get eaten by a predator uh, or starve to death. And I remember thinking, wow, that struggle for that caterpillar was absolutely necessary for it to develop what it needed to reach at next level. And I think that when you apply that to your own life, when you apply it to a leader's life, the things that are important, they take a lot of time. They take effort. They take money. It's not easy, but it develops your muscles. It develops the skill set and the requirements to really be able to reach that next stage. And so often, especially young people, when we have young people we hire uh, at our agency, they want to skip ahead. They want to get the early promotion. They want to get that office earlier or whatever it is, but they haven't developed the, the experience. They haven't struggled through 
strategy creation, um, you know, the hard conversations with clients on different stuff. And what would happen is that if you don't go through the struggle, yes, you might get that promotion, but you won't succeed at it. You'll get to a certain level where you will not progress to that next, you know, that next stage. And so I think that's where you have to be able to know that, hey, in those, and nobody likes it, right? Like, you know what, nobody wants to go through it. Right. But we're always happy. We're always glad when it's done, when we've done it and we can look back. And then those are those teachable moments that you can then mentor and be able to pass on to others uh, in an intentional way. That's really good. So it sounds like you've also had the, uh, Hey, I've been here six months. Why am I not a vice president talk? <laughs> You'd be shocked. You'd be shocked at how much, uh, you know, we have those conversations about career planning and it's never fast enough. You know, everyone wants more money faster, whatever it is. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, no, but I think that story about the butterfly garden, it just it clarifies so much. And it's such a great uh, metaphor for it too. I mean, it, I can think of plenty of times in my own career where I wanted to go faster and try to like cheat the system. And when I did, I got punched in the face and ended up having to go back 10 steps, you know? So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Thinking about the emerging leaders or maybe leaders who are long tenured in their career would have never lived life this way. How do you counsel somebody like that is there a roadmap? What, what's the guidance? If somebody says, wow, reading this, seeing this, hearing this, I realize that something's not firing, you know, optimally in my life. How do I get to that next place? How do I get to a place where, where it does feel like I'm integrated, uh, living integrated and I'm making impact? Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of like investing, right? Everybody says, I wish I would have done it earlier. Uh, and what I think with living in, you know, with a life of impact is that you can start at any time uh, to be intentional. Uh, obviously, if you're the younger you are, uh, the more that you can take personal, professional, and spiritual development, uh, you know, more seriously in your life, you know, the, the more that you're going to get out of it, because it forces you to think about not just yourself, not just about your next promotion, you know, hitting your targets, getting commission, uh, you know, building a life and getting a bigger home, then maybe a vacation property and then having enough money to retire so that you can do what you want. Um, but it's really about thinking about the relationships that you have and building into those in a far deeper way to really help others achieve their purpose in life. And that's really an impact is not, it's an outcome. You know, it's not something like, hey, today I'm going to go have an impact. But what it is is saying, I'm going to, I'm going to live intentionally. And when your professional life is optimized in your personal life, in your spiritual life, you start to see that your motivations start to become more pure because you start to really care about others. You start to realize that your professional life is not just a means to earn financial security, but it's actually a way for you to really you know, pour into this world gifts and talents that you've been given. Uh, and to be able to use it. And so even people that like, for me, I don't work just so that I can give money to charities, right? That's not why I'm in marketing. And I think sometimes charities think, oh man, that's the, you know, that's the goal of impact and giving back is so I can make a lot of money and then you maybe get a foundation and, you know, start doling it out. Um, but it's really saying, well, no, man, like God's gifted me in many ways and speaking and maybe, you know, maybe groups, maybe it's different countries, maybe it's different organizations, but I'm on a plan too, just like you are working at a nonprofit or just like this, somebody else is working, you know, somewhere else. Um, we are all on this trajectory, but we can use those things to really make an, like really make a difference. 
And so whether you're, and I've seen this, we have, uh, so in our leader impact group, um, and there's groups all over the world right now, and it's full of entrepreneurs and leaders who really want to live a life of impact because you can't do it alone. You really do need to come around people that are going to encourage you, uh, that are really going to be like, Hey, let's, you know, Andrew, you got way more in you. Let's do this. Let's go. Let's do this together. Um, and so what we found is that we've got guys in our group and leaders that are 60 ish man. And they are so full of piss and vinegar. It's hilarious. Like they are just, they're just fired up and ready to go. And we have some guys that are like in their twenties and it's awesome. Right. And you know, they're different and you know, there's going to, there's different stages. I think the, the youth brings some of the energy, but then they're pretty naive. Uh, and then the, you know, the older guys, they've seen everything like, Hey, I've been through this. It's going to be okay. You know, the sky is not totally falling. We're going to get through it. Just be wise. And it's really neat how they, you just play off each other, but the goal is the same. The goal is to say, how can we really live differently so that when it's all done, when that time comes where you're going to be in that little pine box and people are going to come to your funeral, what will the impact of your life be? And my hope is that you leave it all on, you leave it all out there and you've lived absolutely full out. And hopefully you get to now be in eternity forever. And you've just left it out there. Not, not accumulating a big empire for yourself, but having such an impact on others that the world was made a better place. Us Baptists say that'll preach. It's <laughs> 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 powerful. Very powerful. So you've already talked around this a lot, but I, I want to just try to get a little more concrete for our listeners. So, can you talk a little bit about some of the observable differences between someone who's just, you know, going along the motions and someone who's actually living a life of impact? Break that down for us so that we as leaders can identify for ourselves and in others around us. Totally. You know, that's good because I think that for me, one of the key things is that you don't want this to be, you know, cause it's easy to talk about, right? We said this, at, you said this at the very beginning of this interview as saying, Hey, leadership, easy to talk about, you know, maybe hard to do, but you don't really know what it looks like. And so here are the seven main features. If you want to be a leader of impact, if you don't know if you are one, I'm going to just read out these seven statements and see if they're true for your own life. So a leader of impact is number one, driven by a fulfilling purpose that is focused on the betterment of others. So number one, driven by a fulfilling purpose that is focused on the betterment of others. Number two, they confronts and resolves conflict in relationships with diligence and care. So number two is confronts and resolves conflict in relationships with diligence and care. Number three, displays gentleness and patience in the midst of stress, tension, or frustration. So a leader of impact will display gentleness and patience in the midst of stress, tension, or frustration. All right, number four, and this is a good one for, you know, all the rainmakers out there, is a leader of impact is generous with their advice, their time, and their finances to people and causes they are drawn to and feel passionate about. So a leader of impact is generous with their advice, time, and finances to people and causes they are drawn to and feel passionate about. Number five, a leader of impact is disciplined with their personal health, their development goals and activities to ensure they have the energy and capacity for the people and projects that matter. So they're disciplined with their personal health, the development goals and activities to ensure they have the energy and capacity 
for the people and projects that matter. Number six, becoming a leader of impact is in the community with other like-minded people who hold them accountable, encourage them, and spur them on towards greater things. So a leader of impact is in community with other people who hold them accountable, encourage them, and spur them on towards greater things. And lastly, number seven, a leader of impact is intentional about having an impact on others. So a leader of impact is intentional about having an impact on others. And so those are, those are seven pieces that at the end of the book, um, you know, I kind of wrap them all up, but then each, each chapter and, you know, working through the integration of your professional, personal, and your spiritual life, that's what the outcome should look like. What do you think about those, Andrew and uh, Roy? Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I love these. I mean, I think they, they are spot on with, I guess, what I uh, just naturally think a great leader would exemplify and, and would, how they would behave. But it's great to have them distilled like that. I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense. I don't know, Roy, do you have other thoughts on this? No, and it, it's, it's the hardest thing in the world, I think, especially for type A types, but to bring humility into the process. And, and again, I think it comes back to the other word we use is being transparent with people and connecting with them at, at the level they're at. Yep, totally. Yep. Braden, I don't know if you put them in this order on purpose or not, but I appreciated how high on the list conflict resolution was. Yeah. yeah. Is that on purpose or? You know, it's, it's funny uh, that you picked that up. I, I find that most good leaders and people is that the ones that allow politics to happen within organizations, the ones that allow relationships to go sour is because they don't deal with conflicts early enough and well enough. Because most of the time it's how you grew up, how, you know, that was modeled to you by parents or by other you know, authority figures, uh, what was said in the home, what wasn't. But I think a lot of leaders, and a lot of people struggle with having difficult conversations. And that I think is so important. And they're easy to have when your motivation is for the betterment of them and for you and for the situation. And I think that's where, you know, your spiritual life is, I think is such an important piece because it's forgiveness. There's uh, ability to be humble you know, and approach it. We're saying, Hey, I care more about you than I do about, you know, getting ahead in this world. And, uh, and I'm going to take care of this. And so it's, it's, these are the key things. And I think we find that in business, I find, and especially in nonprofits, we make the strategy sometimes the king and it should always be relationship should be king. And yeah. I think we spend a lot of time figuring out when's the right time to send emails or what's the ask going to be. And let's, you know, tier our donor systems in such a way. And I find that what you have to do is say, you know what, I want you to stop. I want you to start to really look at that list of people there, not just as a number of mid, you know, small, mid and large donors, but really as people who are on a journey and you have the privilege and opportunity to build into them and to get them so excited about life and about what they're doing. And if they give to your charity, amazing. And if they don't, that's okay. Because I guarantee you when you approach it that way and you don't care about losing somebody or losing it, but you care more about them, they will give and other things will happen. Yeah. Emotional intelligence is so much, it's so much more important than, than IQ. I mean, it really, it's about EQ, not IQ, isn't it? Oh, well, you know what? Here's the funny thing is that the average fundraiser is in their career about two years, I think, at an organization around that now. Uh, you get kinda, <laughs> if we're lucky. Yep. Even worse. 
right? Because you kind of get these, you get churned out and, uh, you know, and your relationships dried out and then, you know, then the old, Hey, what have you done for me lately kicks in? And, and it's like, well, you know what, if you're really about relationships, you're building relationships, you're authentic, you're, you're creating those opportunities. It's like your job is to really build a fantastic network of people that are, that really have a passion for the cause that you're supporting. That's the job. So I want to stop right there because that, um, that, that's a really interesting point of view. You know, what, what clicks for me in that is if we as leaders are saying that it's about those relationships and to your point of fundraisers being in their job for, you know, 12 to 24 months and in some places even shorter periods, unfortunately, you know, it really requires us as leaders to rethink how we lead the entire organization, how we set goals, how we incentivize people, how we treat people when they make mistakes, when there are errors, all sorts of things, because it's only in caring for those people on our staff that we're going to be able to, to build the kind of continuity in relationships with donors that actually leads to successful revenue generation for the organization and successful long-term impact. Agree, disagree? Is it a stupid idea? You know what? It's, I think it's not a stupid idea, but I think the symptom and what I have found in my own experience is that most organizations don't plan well and they have a, such a need for short-term results mm-hmm. that they don't allow time to foster relationships that are going to last. And so yeah. they get into trouble. They got to meet their budget. They got to do things and they put the pressure on the development team, on the advancement team, we've got to get these things. And so now you're all of a sudden you're, you're using techniques and tactics with a sense of urgency with different pieces that don't really foster, they might foster a short-term response, but doesn't foster deep rooted relationship that I think is necessary for a long time. There's a systemic issue that I think comes down to the very president and boards setting the right priorities, the right objectives. And that has a huge implication on the culture that is created. For me, leadership defines the culture, whether they, you know, express it or not. You can have great core values and most nonprofits have amazing core values, but what really comes down to it is that if they're not setting the right strategic priorities, you know, and having a different mentality of, of how, of what the implications of this is going to look like on the team and how it cascades down, they lose touch with, um, with, I think what happens and they don't give people enough time to really build you know, relationships really build into people really start to say, Hey, yes, you have a cause. Uh, you know what, you might be a food bank and you've got your clients that come in and need you and rely on you, but you also have a donor base that you need to be building into and feeding as well. And I think sometimes we get, you get others so caught up in doing the actual work that you forget about the donors, or you get so caught up with just, you know, getting donors and getting money that you kind of forget that, Hey, they're on a mission as well with you. Um, and I think if you can combine those, and, you know, and really set that heart again for the organization to say, this is what we're about. And man, what a privilege it is to give and to serve all together as one. Um, and I think that's, that would go a long way. Absolutely. Totally agree. So we're, we're close to out of time here, Braden. Um, I, I'm hoping um, that you might have a, a favorite leadership impact anecdote or, or story that you could share with our listeners before we break you know, I, there was a, there was a time when, uh, when I was free to lay and I was a young guy and I was trying to make a, trying to make a difference, right. And trying to stand out. And there's, you know, there's thousand people or whatever at the head office and I'm a young marketer and, and they had this charity auction. Have you guys ever seen those charity auctions where they give away like, you know, sports tickets or, 
you know, whatever. And then some of the executives, they would give away the parking spot or some people gave away a vacation. And there was one ticket item that said, you can get an hour with the president. Um, you know, and the starting bid was $75. And so I was kind of looking over all the different things and uh, I was with a colleague of mine and I'm like, oh, an hour with the president, like a, you know, a Frito-Lay is, yeah, that's 75 bucks is cheap. All right, I'll put my name up. And uh, she was like, Braden, uh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And I said, why? Uh, and she said, well, you're, you're pretty new here, but they only the, only the executives really bid on that. And it usually goes for thousands of dollars and, um, you're not going to get it. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I put it on there and apparently it became a bit of a joke that this young guy was going to try to get an hour with the president and nobody else bid on it. And so I won and it said on the thing, you can get the president to do anything for you, write your report, clean your office, you know, whatever you wanted him to do, you, you know, he was open for it. And I thought, okay, I got this hour. And so I went to his, uh, his assistant. I said, hey, I'd like to book my hour with the, the president. And she's like, okay, great. Um, how about uh, he, his next available spot is two months from now. So I'm like, okay, two months. So I wait for two months and everybody's asking me, hey, what are you gonna get the president to do? Are you gonna get him to write the report, you know, approve the budget? Um, and I said, no, I can't tell you, it's a surprise. And they're like, Braden, come on, you gotta tell me. No, I can't tell you, it's, it's gonna be a surprise. And so the day before the vice president of marketing, who's my boss's boss at the time, he calls me into his office and said, Braden, I really like you. I don't want you to see you get fired. Um, I want you to tell me what you're going to do with the president. And I said, I can't tell you. And he's like, what are you talking about? You can't, I'm like your boss's boss. Like you need to tell me what you're doing. I said, I, I know what you're thinking. I'm not going to get you fired or myself fired. It's going to be okay. I can't tell you. It's a surprise. And he's like, fine, go for it. And, uh, and so the next day I show up uh, to the president's office and this, you know, secretary brings me through uh, and you go walk into his corner office and she's like, yeah, just follow me. And you kind of walk by the big mahogany desk and the windows and he, he takes me into this like kind of secret boardroom. And I'm like, man, this is sick. I love this thing. Uh, I've never been in there before. It's just for executives. And we sit down at this table uh, and I'm waiting there. And finally the president walks in and he's like, Hey, Braden, we've got, you know, 60 minutes, you know, what can I, what can we do? Uh, what are we going to do today? And I said, okay, well, Hey, this is great. And so I, uh, so I had a piece of paper on there. I had all the projects that I was working on. This was, you know, ad campaigns, packaging, um, you know, new flavors of chips, whatever it was. And I had the names of the people that worked on that project, uh, suppliers, as well as employees. I had their phone numbers and I had what they did well on it, what they really contributed to that project. And I said, okay, Mr. President, um, his name is Mark, Mark Gay at the time. And I said, okay, Mark, we're going to, I want you to call each of them. And I want you to tell them, you know, how this contributed to the organization and that they did a good job. He was like, okay. So he called each of them and he did that. And he's like, okay, great. And we had about 20 minutes left. And I said, okay, we're going to have, uh, here's three cards and uh, they're each to his direct reports. And I said, I want you to write a, a card to them that tells them, um, the three things you admire most about their leadership and what they bring to the organization. He was like, okay. So he wrote out these three cards and we had five minutes left and I had his address and the number of a florist. And I said, okay, I want you to call, you know, this florist and order flowers for your wife. Hmm. And he's like, okay. And I had my credit card and he's like, no, 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 you're not paying. For <laughs> <laughs> and so he, uh, and so we called, we, we ordered flowers for his wife and I said, great, you know, that's an hour. Um, and he was like, okay, that was awesome. Thank you. 
and I walked out of the office and, uh, and then what happened after that was we get calls from our suppliers that kept that voicemail that the president left and they forwarded it to every employee at that company. We had uh, employees in operations that they said, I've never had a call from the president ever. Uh, and this is the first time that he actually, you know, you know, did that. Um, I had the VP of marketing say, Hey, Braden got the card. Thank you. You know, for that. And, you know, and even the next day he, he came and, uh, and he said, Hey, Braden, those flowers were a big hit at home and he had a big smile on his face. So I'm sure they, I'm sure they were a big hit for him at home, but it's uh, but for me, it, it started this idea of all it took was intentionality and about people. It started me on this, this path of saying, man, that, that was so good. And it didn't take me much time. It didn't take heart, like a lot of effort. It just was the thinking and the thought. And it's, and it was about other people. And it just started this idea of that if you can be a leader like that, if you can just look for those moments or, you know, have that where you're looking at building into people, it's going to go a, a long way. And so my, I hope that, you know, from that, you know, becoming a leader of impact and even why I wrote this book is to help inspire business people, leaders all over to live and think a little bit differently, because when you do that, the world is going to change. And I think in a huge way. That's an awesome story. I love that. Thank you for sharing with us today. Um, two, two parting questions. How does somebody get a copy of the book? So right now it's, uh, it's on amazon.com. So you can go to Amazon and order it uh, really simple and straightforward. So yeah, so I, Hey, I'd recommend go on there and if you read it and you like it, you know, leave a review. It just came out actually last week. So it's brand awesome. new and uh, yeah, hopefully it's, uh, you know, and all the proceeds go to leader impact the organization. So I hope you order five, 10, give them away. I don't get anything from it, but I hope that, um, you know, that you do that. Awesome. And then uh, if someone listens to this and wants to get in touch with you to know more, follow up with you, what's the best way for people to reach you? Um, I've got uh, my company website, Crew Marketing Partners or crewmp.com or bradendouglas.com, which is my own website where I share blogs and different insights um, every, every few weeks. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, people follow along or you can always look me up on LinkedIn or Instagram and uh, I'm on there as well. So it's Braden Douglas. And the book is Becoming a Leader of Impact. And I have, hey, hope you enjoyed it. And thank you, Andrew and Roy. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Love the interview. You guys do a great job. And hopefully you're very successful for years this, to come. This was awesome. Thanks a lot for being here. Really appreciate uh, it. Thank hey, you. Appreciate it. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Rainmaker Fundraising Podcast, brought to you exclusively by Newport One. Newport One can make a difference in your fundraising so that you can change the world. You can always reach us at podcast at newportone.com. Please take a moment to rate this episode on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. When you rate this episode, it will help more nonprofit leaders just like you to help find us and get the information that they need to raise more funds for their organization. Thanks again for listening today.